Section nine of a Lear of the Steps, etc., by Ivan Turgenev. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Lear of the Steps, Part twenty five. My mother was terribly angry when the butler came with an abashed countenance to report Martin Petrovitch's sudden and unexpected retreat. He did not dare to conceal the cause of this retreat. I was obliged to confirm his story. "'Then it was all your doing!' my mother cried, at the sight of Souvenir, who had run in like a hare, and was even approaching to kiss her hand. "'Your vile tongue is to blame for it all!' "'Excuse me, directly, directly,' faltered Souvenir, stuttering and drawing back his elbows behind him. "'Directly, directly, I know your directly,' my mother repeated reprovingly, as she sent him out of the room. Then she rang the bell, sent for Kvitsinsky, and gave him orders to set off on the spot to Eskovo with a carriage, to find Martin Petrovitch at all costs, and to bring him back. "'Do not let me see you without him,' she concluded. The gloomy Pole bowed his head without a word, and went away. I went back to my own room, sat down again at the window, and I pondered a long while, I remember, on what had taken place before my eyes. I was puzzled. I could not understand how it was that Harlov, who had endured the insults of his own family almost without a murmur, had lost all self-control, and been unable to put up with the jeers and pinpricks of such an abject creature as Souvenir. I did not understand in those days what insufferable bitterness there may sometimes be in a foolish taunt, even when it comes from lips one scorns. The hated name of Sletkin, uttered by Souvenir, had been like a spark thrown into powder. The sore-spot could not endure this final prick. About an hour passed by. Our coach drove into the yard, but our steward sat in it alone, and my mother had said to him, Don't let me see you without him. Kvitsinsky jumped hurriedly out of the carriage and ran up the steps. His face had a perturbed look, something very unusual with him. I promptly rushed downstairs and followed at his heels into the drawing-room. Well, have you brought him? asked my mother. I have not brought him, answered Kvitsinsky, and I could not bring him. How's that? Have you seen him? Yes. What has happened to him? A fit? No, nothing has happened. How is it you didn't bring him? He's pulling his house to pieces. What? He's standing on the roof of the new building and pulling it to pieces. Forty boards or more, I should guess, must have come down by now and some five of the rafters, too. They shall not have a roof over their heads, Harlov's words came back to me. My mother stared at Kvitsinsky. Alone? He's standing on the roof, and pulling the roof down? Exactly so. He is walking about on the flooring of the garret in the roof, and smashing right and left of him. His strength, you are aware, madam, is superhuman. And the roof, too, one must say, is a poor affair half-inch deal battens laid wide apart, one-inch nails. My mother looked at me, as though wishing to make sure she had heard aright. Half-inches wide apart? she repeated, obviously not understanding the meaning of one word. Well, what then? she said at last. I have come for instructions. There's no doing anything without men to help. The peasants there are limp with fright. 
and his daughters what of them his daughters are doing nothing they're running to and fro shouting this and that all to no purpose and is Slekin there he's there too he's making more outcry than all of them but he can't do anything and martin petrovitch is standing on the roof on the roof that is in the garret and pulling the roof to pieces yes yes said my mother half inches wide apart the position was obviously a serious one what steps were to be taken send to the town for the police captain get together the peasants my mother was quite at her wits end zitkov who had come in to dinner was nonplussed too it is true he made another reference to a battalion of military he offered no advice however but confined himself to looking submissive and devoted kvitsinsky seeing he would not get at any instructions suggested to my mother with the contemptuous respectfulness peculiar to him that if she would authorize him to take a few of the stable boys gardeners and other house serfs he would make an effort yes yes my mother cut him short do make an effort dear vikenty osipitch only make haste please and i will take all responsibility on myself kvitsinsky smiled coldly one thing let me make clear madam beforehand it's impossible to reckon on any result seeing that mr harlov's strength is so great and he is so desperate too he feels himself to have been very cruelly wronged yes yes my mother assented and it's all that vile souvenir's fault never will i forgive him for it go and take the servants and set off vikenty osipitch you'd better take plenty of cord mr steward and some fire escape tackle zhitkov brought out in his base and if there is such a thing as a net it would be as well to take that along too we once had in our regiment kindly refrain from instructing me sir kvitsinsky cut him short with an air of vexation i know what is needed without your aid zhitkov was offended and protested that as he imagined he too was called upon no no interposed my mother you'd better stop where you are let vikenty osipitch act alone make haste vikenty osipitch zhitkov was still more offended while kvitsinsky bowed and went out i rushed off to the stable hurriedly saddled my horse myself and set off at a gallop along the road to Eskovo. Part 26 The rain had ceased, but the wind was blowing with redoubled force, straight into my face. Halfway there the saddle almost slipped round under me. The girth had got loose. I got off and tried to tighten the straps with my teeth. All at once I heard someone calling me by my name. Souvenir was running towards me across the green fields. "'What?' he shouted to me from some way off. "'Was your curiosity too much for you? But it's no use. I went over there straight, at Harlov's heels. Such a state of things you never saw in your life!' "'You want to enjoy what you have done,' I said indignantly, and, jumping on my horse, I set off again at a gallop. But the indefatigable Souvenir did not give me up and chuckled and grinned even as he ran at last Eskovo was reached there was the dam and there the long hedge and willow tree of the homestead i rode up to the gate dismounted tied up my horse and stood still in amazement 
of one-third of the roof of the newer house of the front part nothing was left but the skeleton boards and litter lay in disorderly heaps on the ground on both sides of the building even supposing the roof to be as kvitsinsky had said a poor affair even so it was something incredible on the floor of the garret in a whirl of dust and rubbish a blackish-grey mass was moving to and fro with rapid ungainly action that one moment shaking the remaining chimney built of brick the other had fallen already then tearing up the boarding and flinging it down below then clutching at the very rafters it was harlov he struck me as being exactly like a bear at this moment too the head and back and shoulders were a bear's and he put his feet down wide apart without bending the insteps also like a bear the bitter wind was blowing upon him from every side lifting his matted locks it was horrible to see here and there red patches of bare flesh through the rents in his tattered clothes it was horrible to hear his wild husky muttering there were a lot of people in the yard peasant women boys and servant girls stood close along the hedge a few peasants huddled together in a separate group a little way off the old village priest whom i knew was standing bareheaded on the steps of the other house and holding a brazen cross in both hands from time to time silently and hopelessly raised it and as it were showed it to harlov beside the priest stood evlampia with her back against the wall gazing fixedly at her father anna at one moment pushed her head out of the little window then vanished then hurried into the yard then went back into the house sletkin pale all over livid in an old dressing-gown and smoking-cap with a single-barrelled rifle in his hands kept running to and fro with little steps he had completely gone jewish as it is called he was gasping threatening shaking pointing the gun at harlov then letting it drop back on his shoulder pointing it again shrieking weeping on seeing souvenir and me he simply flew to us look look what is going on here he wailed look he's gone out of his mind he's raving mad and see what he's doing i've sent for the police already but no one comes no one comes if i do fire at him the law couldn't touch me for every man has a right to defend his own property and i will fire by god i'll fire he ran off toward the house martin petrovitch look out if you don't get down i'll fire fire away came a husky voice from the roof fire away and meanwhile here's a little present for you a long plank flew up and turning over twice in the air came violently down to the earth just at sletkin's feet he positively jumped into the air while harlov chuckled merciful jesus faltered someone behind me i looked round souvenir ah i thought he's left off laughing now sletkin clutched a peasant who was standing near by the collar climb up now climb up climb up all of you you devils he wailed shaking the man with all his force save my property the peasant took a couple of steps forward threw his head back waved his arms shouted hi here master shifted from one foot to the other uneasily and then turned back a ladder bring a ladder sletkin addressed the other peasants 
"'Where are we to get it?' was heard in answer. "'And if we had a ladder,' one voice pronounced deliberately, "'who'd care to climb up? Not such fools! He'd wring your neck for you, in a twinkling!' "'He'd kill one in no time,' said one young lad with flaxen hair and a half-idiotic face. "'To be sure he would,' the others confirmed. It struck me that, even if there had been no obvious danger, the peasants would yet have been loath to carry out their new owner's orders. They almost approved of Harlov, though they were amazed at him. "'Ah, you robbers!' moaned Sletkin. "'You shall all catch it!' But at this moment, with a heavy rumble, the last chimney came crashing down, and, in the midst of the cloud of yellow dust that flew up instantly, Harlov, uttering a piercing shriek and lifting his bleeding hands high in the air, turned facing us. Sletkin pointed the gun at him again. Eblampia pulled him back by the elbow. "'Don't interfere!' he snarled savagely at her. "'And you, don't you dare!' she answered, and her blue eyes flashed menacingly under her scowling brows. "'Father's pulling his house down. It's his own!' "'You lie. It's ours.' "'You say ours, but I say it's his.' Sletkin hissed with fury. Ivlampia's eyes seemed stabbing him in the face. "'Ah! How do you do, my delightful daughter?' Harlov thundered from above. "'How do you do, Ivlampia Martinovna? How are you getting on with your sweetheart? Are your kisses sweet, and your fondling?' "'Father!' rang out Evlampia's musical voice. "'Eh, daughter?' answered Harlov, and he came down to the very edge of the wall. His face, as far as I could make it out, wore a strange smile, a bright, mirthful, and for that very reason peculiarly strange and evil smile. Many years later I saw just the same smile on the face of a man condemned to death. "'Stop, father, come down. We are in fault. We give everything back to you. Come down.' "'What do you mean by disposing of what's ours?' put in Sletkin. Evlampia merely scowled more angrily. "'I give you back my share. I give up everything. Give over. Come down, father. Forgive us. Forgive me.' Harlov still went on smiling. "'It's too late, my darling,' he said, and each of his words rang out like brass. "'Too late your stony heart is touched. The rocks started rolling downhill. There's no holding it back now. And don't look to me now. I am a doomed man. You'd do better to look to your Volodka. See what a pretty fellow you've picked out. And look to your hellish sister. There's her foxy nose yonder thrust out of the window.' She's peering yonder after that husband of hers. No, my good friends, you would rob me of a roof over my head, so I will leave you not one beam upon another. With my own hands I built it, with my own hands I destroy it. Yes, with my hands alone. See, I've taken no axe to help me. He snorted at his two open hands, and clutched at the centre beam again. Enough, father, Evlampia was saying meanwhile and her voice had grown marvellously caressing. Let bygones be bygones. Come, trust me. You always trusted me. Come, get down. Come to me to my little room, to my soft bed. I will dry you and warm you. I will bind up your wounds. See, you have torn your hands. 
you shall live with me as in christ's bosom food shall be sweet to you and sleep sweeter yet come we have done wrong yes we were puffed up we have sinned come forgive harlov shook his head talk away me believe you never again you've murdered all trust in my heart you've murdered everything i was an eagle and became a worm for you and you would you even crush the worm have done i loved you you know very well but now you are no daughter to me and i'm no father to you i'm a doomed man don't meddle as for you fire away coward mighty man of valour harlov bellowed suddenly at sletkin why is it you keep aiming and don't shoot are you mindful of the law if the recipient of a gift commits an attempt upon the life of the giver harlov enunciated distinctly then the giver is empowered to claim everything back again ha ha don't be afraid law-abiding man i'd make no claims i'll make an end of everything myself here goes father for the last time evlampia besought him silence martin petrovitch brother be generous and forgive faltered souvenir father dear father silence bitch shouted harlov at souvenir he did not even glance he merely spat in his direction part twenty seven at that instant kvitsinsky with all his retinue in three carts appeared at the gates the tired horses panted the men jumped out one after another into the mud aha harlov shouted at the top of his voice an army here it comes an army a whole army they're sending against me capital only i give warning if any one comes up here to me on the roof i'll send him flying down head over heels i'm an inhospitable master i don't like visitors at wrong times no indeed he was hanging with both hands on to the front rafters of the roof the so-called standards of the gable and beginning to shake them violently balancing on the edge of the garret flooring he dragged them as it were after him chanting rhythmically like a bargeman one more pull one more oh sletkin ran up to kvitsinsky and was beginning to whimper and pour out complaints the latter begged him not to interfere and proceeded to carry out the plan he had evolved he took up his position in front of the house and began by way of diversion to explain to harlov that what he was about was unworthy of his rank one more pull one more chanted harlov that natalia nikolaevna was greatly displeased at his proceedings and had not expected it of him one more pull one more oh harlov chanted while meantime kvitsinsky had dispatched the four sturdiest and boldest of the stable boys to the other side of the house to clamber up the roof from behind harlov however detected the plan of attack he suddenly left the standards and ran quickly to the back part of the roof his appearance was so alarming that the two stable boys who had already got up to the garret dropped instantly back again to the ground by the water-pipe to the great glee of the serf boys who positively roared with laughter harlov shook his fist after them and going back to the front part of the house 
again clutched at the standards, and began once more loosening them, singing again like a bargeman. Suddenly he stopped, stared. "'Maximushka, my dear, my friend!' he cried. "'Is it you?' I looked round. There, actually, was Maximka, stepping out from the crowd of peasants. Grinning and showing his teeth, he walked forward. His master, the tailor, had probably let him come home for a holiday. "'Climb up to me, Maximushka, my faithful servant,' Harlov went on. "'Together let us rid ourselves of evil Tartar folk, of Lithuanian thieves.' Maximka, still grinning, promptly began climbing up the roof. But they seized him and pulled him back, goodness knows why, possibly as an example to the rest. He could hardly have been much aid to Martin Petrovitch. "'Oh, all right, good,' Harlov pronounced, in a voice of menace. And again he took hold of the standards. "'Vikenty Osipovitch, with your permission, I'll shoot,' Sletkin turned to Kvitsinsky. "'More to frighten him, see, than anything. My gun's only charged with snipe-shot.' But Kvitsinsky had not time to answer him, when the front couple of standards, viciously shaken in Harlov's iron hands, heeled over with a loud crack and crashed into the yard. And with it, not able to stop himself, came Harlov too, and fell with a heavy thud on the earth. Everyone shuddered and drew a deep breath. Harlov lay without stirring on his breast, and on his back lay the top central beam of the roof, which had come down with the falling gable's timbers. End of section 9